Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shiv Gulani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Meinl Mondel, who is the founder and CEO of Ellipsis Health, a very cool medical technology company that's developed a method for analyzing from just a few minutes of patient speech whether they have depression or anxiety, or at least to inform those diagnoses. And we'll learn a lot more from him uh, in, in just a second. I'd like to thank Akhil Paul, who's an advisor of Osmosis, because he introduced me to Meinl, and I've been excited to have him as a guest on Raise the Line for a couple months now. Uh, behavioral health is obviously a very big challenge to uh, global health, and in particular in the U.S. health system, there are a lot of very amazing companies that are skyrocketing as a result of the COVID crisis, uh, companies like Ginger.io and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to asking Meinl about how uh, Ellipsis has approached the problem of behavioral health and what his ultimate goals are. So Meinl, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much, and thanks to Akil for connecting us. He's been a great advisor. He's a current investor as well. Um, so I'm very thankful to, to all the investor advisors we have. Uh, thankful to have all these partners around us. Yeah, I know you've surrounded yourself by some pretty incredible investors and advisors. So before we get into that, would love to hear a bit more about your background and how you went from management consulting to then founding Ellipsis Health. Yeah, for, for me, it was problem solving. And I think it became pretty clear to me as an individual that I wanted to sort of work on solving hard problems uh, with other people. In college, I studied um, economics, uh, I studied theater design, but I was lost in college. I, you know, I had a lot of thoughts, um, and I think that my, my first couple of jobs out of college was in management consulting. Um, it's a great training ground. I think it teaches you a framework which you can um, chunk up problems in bite sizes, right? Put a, put a framework around it and advise people uh, or CEOs, CFOs, and a leadership team what to do next. I think that's where it disconnected for me because I think I wanted to sort of go from the what to do next to actually doing it. So for me, that is how I want to sort of bridge the gap. I was very grateful that I got to work on really some really fascinating companies in anywhere from healthcare to defense to retail. Um, so thanks to my former partners who helped me do that. Uh, but I think I want to sort of venture to a new world, which was identifying a problem uh, that was mental health and wellness for me based on you know, what I've seen through personal experiences in my family members to what I was seeing outside and globally and say, you know what, that's a problem worth solving because it touches humanity. It's, it's one of those, I think, few problems one can solve or try to solve to actually have an impact. No, I can, couldn't agree more. Um, and we actually just had Florian Otto, uh, who was also a management consultant turned a healthcare entrepreneur uh, of Cedar on the podcast. And, you know, he echoes a lot of what you've said in terms of wanting to go take the next step from identifying problems and giving and developing a plan to solve them to actually then solving them. So, you know, the mission of Ellipsis Health is to create a so-called behavioral health vital sign. So can you tell us a bit more about what you mean by that? And, um, and also just the scope of the problem? You know, I know all of us know that depression and anxiety, particularly in the COVID era, are, are problems. But if you can give us any statistics around you know, kind of general consumer market, uh, both in terms of number of people as well as maybe total addressable market, uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, if you think about this, I mean, you know, one third of the world's population um, have symptoms of depression and anxiety. It, it starts around sort of when you're in your teen years and you have spikes in your lifetime. For us, it is really important to, for, for us to solve something that spreads throughout your entire life. And the way we look at mental health and wellness uh, a little bit differently, I think, we think about this as a measurement problem and equity problem, right? It's an equity problem because 
I think it's, it's a fundamental right of human beings to be able to access wellness and healthcare. And I think that what we've seen, especially in mental health and wellness over the last few decades, only people who have resources have access to it. And even within the people who have resources, it's been confusing because the standard we've had in the world for to, to sort of look at depression, anxiety, our surveys, and those are not objective, those are not intelligent. And we felt that it's our duty to, to make sure we come up with a new clinical standard that actually can measure depression, anxiety objectively in a scalable, engaging way so that it can quantify and you can measure it uh, and manage it. Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So that's the first line of thinking we had. Can we measure to help people manage? And can we lower the bar where people who don't have the resources can actually can find out where they are? If you think about Silicon Valley or other parts of the U.S. to you know, parts of, for example, Africa, let's think about Nairobi, Kenya. We want to create something that can be impactful no matter where you live. And for us, that was a problem we wanted to solve. So let's go in, into it a bit more. So you're analyzing speech. How have you assessed whether that's a clinically reliable or accurate way to assess mental health status, especially because I know there's a need to train the algorithm on certain baselines, right? And, and there's a lot of questions around AI, uh, you know, and, and even clinical trials as to are we examining a representative set of patients. So I'd love to hear how you guys look at solving that problem. Yeah, so, so I think the first two years of the company, we, we're very quiet as a company and this intentional. We are a very intentional company. Before we went to AI or any other way of solving this, we wanted to have a cross-functional team so that we can solve this problem. So for us, you know, we have an incredible bench of clinicians, uh, you know, clinical psychologists, ER physicians, to psychiatrists, right? So my co-founder, uh, Dr. Arto, is an ER physician himself. Our chief science officer, Dr. Elizabeth Schreiberg, uh, was a senior speech scientist at Microsoft. She was a head of speech science at SRI. Her lab created Siri. Her lab also spun out advanced communication. Uh, we have an incredible product team led by Michael Paris, incredible engineer Ajit Barma. And then now the commercials, as of July, we started going commercial, July, August timeframe. And I think the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, the, the few things we want to keep in mind, right? Why speech? If you think about the literature that's been around in academic centers, the tons of research that's been done on speech and, and, and sort of points out to mental health and wellness. And the other thing is the humanness. Surveys uh, are not, they don't show care. They don't show that they're actually listening to you, right? So we wanted to create and use speech that, that's the way of communication, one of the oldest forms of communication, and harness was already there, right? So we knew from research that there are signals. We knew that we love to communicate and we love to communicate more with our providers, right? Because right now, providers are in a difficult position. They are documenting, right, not being able to fully pay attention, even though they want to, right? So we want to create, free up that time for providers, the nurses, nurse managers, case managers, even the caregivers. And, and so we wanted to harness that with permission and consent. That's really important to us. And the way it works is that the models look at so how someone speaks and semantic what someone says. And based on two to three minutes of speech, uh, it lands on a level for depression, a level for anxiety with a confidence estimate, right? So that's how we have done it. But when we first started training the, the models, we looked at the clinical data as well as the survey data to train our models. And, and we have got a pretty nice group of studies now that are on the way. Uh, and some of them we are disclosing results pretty soon. 
And for the others, we will disclose results as soon as they're completed as well. That's fascinating. So your two focus areas right now are, are depression and anxiety. Is that correct? That's correct. We wanted to be very, very focused. We wanted to do two things really well first uh, is being able to measure from, uh, from speech, depression, and anxiety. And, you know, our, our vision is, you know, one voice file, one conversation and multiple vital signs, but starting with depression and anxiety. This is fascinating. So before starting osmosis, I used to write for a medical tech blog called MedGadget uh, when I was in med school. And that's where I first learned about uh, Ginger, which was basically looking at, at the time, they've evolved obviously a lot since, location data, uh, MIT dorm rooms. And if people you know, have this baseline level of location movement, movement based on their GPS, and then for maybe a couple of days or weeks at a time, they're moving less, they're not leaving the dorm as much, um, that's a potential indicator of depression or, or social isolation, at least. Um, similarly, Netflix uh, actually got in a lot of trouble last year. I've always said it that I think Netflix probably has the best data of any uh, company in terms of how depressed people may be. You know, if suddenly they start binge watching, you know, tons of Netflix shows and they never used to watch it that much, that probably something has changed in their life, maybe a breakup or some, something else. I'd love to hear kind of, you know, you guys are super focused on two to three minutes of speech. You know, what are some of the other things you may integrate with to kind of increase the sensitivity or specificity of the um, tools you've uh, developed? It's a fantastic question. And given that our vision is to be the next clinical standard, we want to be very, you know, we're science-based. We lead with science. So we wanted to make sure that piece was extremely robust, and it is. That's why we have some of the name brand clients we have now. Going back to the actual algorithm, like, can you talk to us a bit more about some of your original published data, whatever you're willing to share in terms of how many people you've studied, like how sensitive, how specific is this test? And what are some of the factors in speech that you all pick up on to know whether someone from baseline has gone, maybe showing signs of depression or anxiety? Thanks to our partners and supporters, we have one of the largest labeled speech data sets for mental health and wellness, and to be specific for depression and anxiety. We've been very thoughtful and intentional about our data set and privacy and consent that come with it. Uh, we want to be creating the new clinical standard, so it's absolutely a must that we select the right partners with the right intention. If you look at our specificity and sensitivity, they're both in the 80s now. Our anxiety results are slightly trailing behind depression results. If you think about our studies, uh, our studies are pretty substantial and they're all in the hundreds of patients. Got it. Um, you said at the, when you, once you guys got out of stealth mode earlier this year and started building the commercial team out, I would love to hear more about like what business model you have in mind. Is this like an algorithm you're going to license to uh, groups like Google or Alexa potentially, who have obviously very popular voices devices or selling it to health systems. Do you mind just talking a bit about, more about the business model you have in mind here? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll probably take a different approach here than, than what uh, you probably may hear from other folks. Um, our main job right now in the world is to make sure it has impact. Um, and that's based on trust. So for us, you know, the way we sort of identify partners right now, the early adopters, uh, where we can have the most impact and where people trust the system. Um, so for us right now, we are working with hospitals and health systems. Uh, we're about to start working with one of the largest insurance companies in the world in the next uh, six months. And, you know, we've been approached by tech companies. And one of the things we need to be very mindful of is, you know, how will this be used? 
uh, especially it has to be used in a healthcare setting to actually enhance people's lives. Um, so we are thinking about anywhere from a SaaS model to to part member per month kind of model uh, based on the type of organization they're going to work with. That makes sense. Alexa has been on my mind lately because we have um, Jeff Arnold from ShareCare coming on this podcast in a couple of weeks. And obviously the guy who started WebMD and runs ShareCare, which now has integrated with Alexa Health. Uh, so you can you know ask Alexa questions and get, get some health responses that way. And also Amazon, I think it was two years ago, filed a patent that I know you're familiar with, which is uh, they were trying to identify from speech whether you had symptoms of upper respiratory infection, you know, cold or flu which all seems sort of quaint now in the age of COVID and then would maybe recommend some of their, you know, products like emergency or whatnot. I would love to hear more about kind of what you're thinking about where Ellipsis could play long-term. Um, like, do you see it as being potentially like an app in Alexa or Google mini? We're in deep discussions with tech companies, including many of the top 10 global tech companies that we all interact with daily. Every tech company is trying to figure out how to get into healthcare. Our technology will be foundational to 21st century medicine. So obviously there are a lot of overlaps and we're exploring various partnerships. Having said that, we are guided by our values, which are privacy, security, and consent. Patients are users at the center. So we are trying to be very selective and intentional. We'll be going to market in the next 12 to 18 months with a few tech partners, uh, but our focus is and has to be that we need to have impact on the lives of people. Yeah, no, that, that's wonderful. So one announcement your company recently made was of the availability of a mobile app called Rising Higher. Do you mind uh, describing that a bit more? Absolutely, would love to. We have a new normal and the world needs to evolve with a new normal. We have to take care of people at home through virtual visits and interactions. Now think about this. Clinicians now have an objective way to measure depression and anxiety using Rising Higher. They are now able to better serve their clients and patients because they can design new critical care paths that didn't exist earlier. If you think about from a patient user's perspective, we now have a safety net. We now have an objective way to measure emotional well-being, depression, anxiety, in a way that we had never been able to do before. It's like having a map of mental health and wellness for, for daily life. And it tells you what to do next with that, with that information. Especially in times of COVID, depression and anxiety have shot up. Our app is an outlet that people can use to open up and really talk about what's on their mind. It's a way to, for people to, to vent, to have a diary, a very personal diary. And we're seeing some really interesting uh, impact in some cases, in a few cases. We're seeing people's depression and anxiety level going down over time. So our app, Rising Higher, is there for people and meeting people where they are through virtual interaction and at home. Uh, we, will, we promise to be there for you and do everything we can to meet you where you are and provide better care for you and help providers to pro provide better care for you as well. You mentioned um, COVID, so I wanted to take uh, in the last few minutes, take us there. You know, have you found that COVID has been an accelerant or more of a headwind as far as your growth at Ellipsis? Has it led to more interest in what you're doing as a company? And then also a follow-up to that is, what are some of the things that you think will be changing permanently, even after you know, we have a vaccine and whatnot, regarding the healthcare system because of COVID? Look, I think that, you know, COVID gave us time to think and really think about what we want to pursue, what's important to us. It also is helping redesign healthcare, human care in a way that, that has become a lot more important than it used to. Um, and I think that 
you know, that part of, of, of the acceleration we're seeing, where now people are talking about depression and anxiety at a level that they've never talked before. If you think about the stigma, if you think about all of that, this is the way to change that. This is the way to create awareness, quantify and manage. Right, so those are the implications we're seeing that now people can understand, quantify, manage depression and anxiety with Ellipsis help, right? Patients are being seen a lot through virtual visits now. People are a lot more talking about the impact they are going through for mental health and well-being, right? And it's also shown that in a strain on system, you know, so, so there's been a lot of internal reflection, I think, you know, reflection for, for people and really sort of identify what those are and really sort of going and running to solve them. So that's sort of the impact we're seeing in COVID. Um, I think that is yet, I mean, we don't understand the disease yet, the COVID, the virus yet. Um, and I think it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes all out of it. I think at the end of the day, uh, what this has done is, is actually flagged that this is a mini epidemic, depression, anxiety. You know, whether you're talking to kids who are in the teen years or college, the college years or going through postpartum depression, or, you know, when you're helping take care of your parents who are older or grandparents who are older, right? It has created sort of that, that standard language for all of us to communicate with each other when it comes to mental health and wellness. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's uh, kind of revealed uh, this underlying angst I think people have had um, and obviously the depression and anxiety and, and, and worsened it in many ways. That's what a lot of the data shows. So I know we're coming up in time and I guess I have two final questions. Uh, osmosis reaches millions of current and future healthcare professionals. And one question we like to ask our guests and raise the line is what advice would you have to someone about uh, who's considering a career or is already early on in their career to become a healthcare professional about meeting the challenges of this moment and approaching their career in healthcare? Look, I, I think everyone is smart enough. You know, I usually shy away from giving advice. Um, but I think for me, the principles that, that I run by, I think, you know, a little bit of good work can go a long way, right? And if you think about, you know, for me, the understanding was if I can find a hard problem that I'm really passionate about solving, then even if the odds are against me, I'm going to keep trying and try to solve it. So I think I would ask other, other fellow human beings here to be able to identify something that they're passionate about and, uh, and jump in and, and try to solve it. Because at the end of the day, the, the reward around being impactful human on this earth uh, was very rewarding. And I think we were to everyone else to be our best self uh, in this world. Great advice. And my last question is, is there anything else you'd like to be able to, to share with our audience um, that's top of mind for you? Mental health is not a clinical problem. It is a human problem. We have gone way too long not addressing this issue. Depression and anxiety have skyrocketed during this pandemic. If you're suffering from mental health problems, you're not alone. Ellipsis Health, other health tech startups and resources are there for you. The first step is always the hardest. I invite you to take the first step and we'll assure you we're there for you. Awesome. So Mendel, with that, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Shiv. I'm Shiv Ilani. Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>